Welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 190. On this episode, we're bringing you guys a special treat. Finally, we have on a much-anticipated guest, former Pro Bowl NFL safety Ken Hamlin, now cigar brand owner. We talk a little bit about football. We talk a lot about cigars and Ken Hamlin's future with the Arrival Cigar under his new brand. And uh, this was an absolute amazing discussion. I love this one as much as I love all the others. Um, very, very, very fun conversation. So we hope you guys enjoy. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. That's the actual name of the company, but yeah. I like it. That's Oh, look at that background, and there she is. There's the arrival. Hey, there I got go. I, I got to ask go. you real quick, because you messaged me, and you said we had something wrong in the components when we broke it down. So what did we have wrong, just out of curiosity? So it's Ecuadorian wrapper and binder, oh. and Nicaraguan, Dominican, and Brazilian in a filling. It was hard to find stats on that cigar. I, I probably should yeah. have just messaged you and asked you. <laughs> Probably have been well, the I know. Thing. I know the one right up I did, and um, what was the? Uh, I forgot the guy who did it. And even though I text him and let him know what it was, he still wrote it up wrong. <laughs> wrong. So. And I probably, I probably found that person's write up and just copied yeah. it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. works too. That works too. Okay, I'm super excited to have you on. This is like I'm I'm not kidding when I say this is the most excited I've been for a podcast in quite some time. Um, just because we weren't able to connect before, and sorry about that. I didn't really actually mean to go hard no. in the pain on you. So we're we're just no, Chris hey, and listen, I are real what, and the crazy part about it is crazy part is my sister, my little sister, uh, messaged me and was like, "Did you see the uh, the podcast?" And I was like, "No, I hadn't seen it." And she's like. Look, they don't like you, but they like your cigar. I was like, <laughs> no, no, we do like it. And I, so, so you and I connected because of Chris Spencer. How do you know Chris Spencer, yeah. by the way? So me and him played in Seattle together. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so that's my guy. Whatever. So every time, so when we go back for like reunion weekend, we go back for alumni weekend. We uh, we always link up to smoke cigars. And so I gave him. We set out and smoked uh, the last the last year that we went, and um, I gave him, I sent him a couple. And when he smoked it, he was like, he liked it. And he was like, man, I got some guys that I want to, I want to suit them to, um, that, and if you're talking about y'all, whatever, that, uh, that, that have a big podcast, whatever, that, that would be pretty cool, whatever. So I was like, yeah, definitely. So I got to get out there to Nashville to go see him. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen him. I met him at a, a manufacturer's headquarters. And I remember when he came in, cause I was sitting down and he walked through the door and I was like. Jesus Christ. He shook my hand. This is the weirdest thing I think I could probably ever say about another man. I felt comfort in his handshake because it was like a security blanket. Like if someone paid him just to hold babies for the rest of his life because it's an equal parts protection and equal parts comfort. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. His his hand was like a baseball glove, like a, a catcher's mitt just oh, yeah. surrounding my hand. And I was like, I felt like I needed both my hands just to kind of equalize the situation. He's oh, yeah. a big boy. Holy no, Chris smoke. is a big dude, man. He, he, had, uh, he, he was a starting center for us out there in Seattle. Oh, that's wild. That's cool that you guys played. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering how that connection happened. He didn't actually tell me. He just yeah. kind of, yeah. he handed me off. He's like, here, talk to, talk to Ken now. And I was just like, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I do, I do have a question to ask you. Um, uh, obviously, you have background in football. That's what 
you played for Seattle, you played for the Cowboys, you played as a safety, you played in Arkansas, which is totally dope. I Trust me, I've watched the highlight reels. I've seen that Stallworth hit like everybody else has, and it oh, literally man. blows yeah. my mind. Every time I watch it, I'm like, well, he died at least for two seconds. Like two seconds, he was clinically dead <laughs> and then somehow woke back up on the field. Because that is the one of the nastiest hits I've seen. It's crazy. Hey, man, and that the crazy part, and that was my rookie year, my first game. <sighs> That's <laughs> wild. Yeah. Did 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 he ever say anything to you about that hit? Hey, hey listen, so they, they came to Seattle that day um, to play. And by the time they got back home, uh, it was on Sports Center, so we. I was out with some of my friends, and uh, he ended up calling and was like, "Ken, that's it's fucked up, whatever." They got me all over Sports Center. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he he definitely felt a certain way in the la- in the next couple of years after that. Every time it ends up coming back around, they they say he says something about it, whatever. But it it, it comes back around every now and then. Oh, rightfully so. So here's the thing, though. Like nowadays, it's it's not a dirty hit, but I feel like refs nowadays would call that. I mean, there would be a penalty on that for sure. Oh, we talk about like me and Roy Williams talk about it all the time. But there is no way we can play in in the league right now with how things are and how how clean they're trying to make everything. Like you can make a decision on a hit like that, whatever, in split second, when you run at full speed, like you can right. actually change your tra- tra- trajectory to, to hit somebody lower or it, it's crazy how they try to rule it now with it. So nowadays those hits right there, you can kick that game immediately. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's frustrating to watch. I think most football fans would agree. And I get, you know, the protection of the players and all that. I understand that. Like you start oh, to yeah. understand more about CTE and the repercussions of that, but also you, you you eliminate part of what makes the game the game, so oh definitely yeah it's 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 a it's a weird kind of catch twenty two. I did have a question yeah. for you, football wise. So I've been saying this for a long time about myself. When I was about twenty seven years old, I came to this realization that my potential professional football career was coming to an end. Um, and I was thinking about at 27 at 27. <laughs> yeah, I was at 27. I was like, I, I either got to shit or get off the pot. I'm either going to make a team yeah. or I'm not going to make a team. And I'm going to ask you this question because you're a safety. Um, I always felt that I would make a good defensive back just based on my build. Okay. I mean, I'm a smaller guy, okay. but you know, okay. I'm, a, I'm, okay. I got a little muscle. Hold on. Check. Hold on. See, I got some definition <laughs> in my legs a little bit. So. I was wondering from your perspective, you know, I can run a 40 and probably about seven and a half seconds. I rival Tom Brady as far as a 40 time. (laughs) Do I have a position on the field at 27? Can I make a team? Is it possible? Listen, there, there are holders that, that run slower than that. So you, you still have the potential to make something happen. I mean, uh, there are punters that probably run slower than that too. So (laughs) there's always a position (laughs) for a guy that you don't have to run the 40 and not even worry about it. You're good to go. Yes. (laughs) And I like, I like those non-contact roles too. Those, those look fun. I like the ones where it's like your chances of getting hit are very minimal. Listen, maybe, maybe three or four times in a, in a, in a 15 career, 15 year career will a punter or a kicker or something like that have to worry about that's on kickoff team when that those guys end up splitting everything and they got to make that, Oh, I want to try to make a tackle, but I really not try to make a tackle type of look where right. they just dive at the legs. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, the only yeah. the only punter I've seen who like really gets into it is like Pat McAfee. Like he was oh, no. a guy that yeah. was just a bulldog and would just go after people. You're like, what the well, hell? We had are you a doing? guy. We had a guy and we had a guy in Dallas. I can't remember his name right now. We had a guy in Dallas that he would literally like try to beat the other uh, other guys down the field that he would hit. Now, this this cat stayed in the gym. Damn. He was in the weight room and he was and he was yoked up. He was a cat that he didn't mind hitting at all. So I mean, he was one like he was rare. When you think about kickers, because he was a cat that wanted to go down there and get some stats. So I mean, nice. other than that, them guys, whatever, they, they over there sipping their, their Starbucks, whatever, and relax. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, is that from a coach's perspective, is that frowned upon, or do they just like let those guys go? Like, hey, if you want to, oh, no. if you want to throw, if you want to throw it down, go for it. No, with him, I think they sort of knew when they drafted him that he was that type of guy. So they they didn't try to shy away from him being who he was. But normally. The guys will tell you that's just like cornerbacks. Cornerbacks, you know what you're getting from this guy. So if he's not a guy, if he's a cover corner, and you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to stick it in there, then you know what you're getting. That he, he's going to he's going to olay a few a few tackles here and there. Right. Which so you were not your nickname was the Hammer Hamlin, which I think yeah. that is indicative of how you played the game. Even when I was looking at some of your your college highlights, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I'd be terrified. And you, and here's the thing: like you think like in terms of like elite athlete. And by the way, obviously, I you can just call my bro science on this, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But I think about elite athletes, and you think about like the top one percent. I think about like what you did in your career, just from what I know, and just like the stats alone. I'm like, you were at the tippy top in terms of like athleticism on the field. That's wild. Man, it, it's crazy because I think about like my journey, uh, you know, high school, even in middle school. I mean, I, I didn't I was on the bench until like my 10th grade year. Like, I mean, because we moved around a lot and I'm not just going to put it just on that. But I wasn't developed yet to to be, you know, where I was later on in my career. So I had to go through a lot of growing pains of, of actually even getting on the field. And then uh, but I think that sort of developed like I was telling the guys yesterday, that sort of developed like this big a big ass chip on my shoulder. I probably sure. had a whole bag on my shoulder of, of uh, chips to where I just, uh, you know, I always had the mentality that uh, once I, once I earned that spot or once I earned it, it I wasn't gonna let anybody else take it. Right. And um, I worked, so I worked, I worked extra hard. I mean, I, and especially the biggest thing for me is that it, it didn't matter if a guy, I didn't mind guys, uh, you know, helping guys, you know, you had some guys like Brett Farr would say, you know, I, I'm not here to teach or, or, you know, or to, to like coddle somebody, whatever at the position. My thing is I don't mind helping. I don't mind giving you pointers. I don't mind helping. But my thing is that mentally I'm going to be faster in reaction than a lot of the guys are who might be faster than me. So it didn't really matter on that because you can run a four two when you've got when you run in the 40, but if you can't run a four two on the field because of all the things that are going on, then it, that four two really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I do have so obviously at some point, we got to transition into cigars, and and I have yeah. that segue built in. But I I am so curious, and I'm sure you get like the same questions all the time in terms of your football career. I'm not going to ask oh, you those cool. questions. So so it's I'm cool. here's here's what I want to ask. Um, so Ed Reed, NFL safety into cigars. Um, if you were to fight Ed Reed, who would win? Do you think? <laughs> I always got to put the tips on me. Now it it is a it is a shorter stockier cat man so i mean he's a, he's a different type of dude man they had a hit but he he's known for like his roaming ability and knowing where the ball might be and, and, and doing what he does on the field so 
his his mental is, is a certain way too. So I think I mean that would be a great <laughs> a great battle because <laughs> I know because I know he's thinking. I know he, he he's like me. He, he uses his head more than he wants to use his body, whatever. So um, you know, and of course at the position, I mean that dude is 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 the uh, is the elite uh, type of, of of safety that you would think when you think about this position itself. Right. I mean, you got you got you you got certain guys that you want to model yourself after. You want to do certain things. You sort of pick certain things from certain guys, and especially later on in my career, when I started seeing that just hitting guys wasn't gonna get me to the Pro Bowl, I was like, "Listen, I got to change this up a little bit. I got to start. <laughs> I got to start going for the ball because uh, just just laying guys out, whatever, it's not gonna get me there." So um, that's one of the guys where you look at, okay, him, Palomalu. Uh, you know, guys like that where, where it's like, okay, you know, these cats are getting six, seven, eight interceptions a year. I got to start doing something like that to really get my name to where I want it to be. So, uh, yeah, he it, it's, it, it would be close. Let me say that. I ain't going yeah. to knock my guy because that's, that's, that's my dude, but uh, it, it'd be a good one. Have do, have you ever run into Edry just like in terms of cigars and stuff? Because he's obviously, oh, yeah. he, he like frequents the Placencia factory and all that all the time, so... Oh yeah, so we we I mean I, and, and I know Ed pretty well, and um so when I go when I'm in in Atlanta or or in Miami or somewhere, we'll link up. We linked up a few times and and discussed you know the whole cigar thing, him what he had going on with his cigars before he decided where he wanted to go with things uh, as far as factories, um, him having his blend and, and doing what he was doing. Uh, he, he's a he's a real like you know you think of certain guys that either have come out with cigars or or who have thought about it or who, who smoked cigar. He's one that he's, he's legit, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the knowledge of, uh, in, the, in the cigar game. Yeah, he's deep into it. I want to talk about that yeah. later, too, in terms of, like, you know, the, the celebrity aspect. I remember the first time you and I were just going back and forth, just messaging. I said something about Ray Lewis, which we'll get on that topic, yeah. too. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's one thing in terms of, like, um, there's an admiration I have for, for the guys who, you know, go through the process, the understanding tour the factories, yeah. roll a cigar, yeah. you know, heaven forbid. So, but we'll talk about that, but I do have, yeah. I do have some more questions. What's the weirdest thing you've seen in a locker room? Yeah. Jesus. Oh man. The weirdest thing. <laughs> uh, it could be a lot of different things, man. But because, you know, you got guys who are, are free spirited. I would say, uh, so, so, they, so they, 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 they don't mind certain things going on or whatever. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think that, you know, for the most part in the, in the uh, organizations that I've been in, guys have been, been pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I played with guys like John Randall, who was a, who was a crazy, his, he was beyond like wired different i mean and for a guy who was undersized to play that position you had to be a little bit different so gotcha. i mean john would john would sit in his locker and, and like just like like he was in a in a blind uh hunting and a trainer would walk by and he would just go tackle him and put him in a submission hole like Jesus. stuff like that and, <laughs> i mean and 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 and, and it didn't matter who it was. Like, I mean, it, it could have been the <laughs> oldest trainer out there. He he put him in submission hole. You see this guy turning red and pink. Uh, I mean, and, and he would hold it for the longest amount of time. So, like, that type of stuff is like, wow. Like, I mean, and it's John Randall. So, when you when he lets you go, it's not like you're going to fight him. I mean, right. you, you got to just walk off. You, you got to yeah, walk away. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, done deal. He's going to force so, that I mean, tap. <laughs> We've had some we've had some interesting cats. I mean, um, that that I played with that are, I, I would just say wired different. Where where you don't mess with them. Uh, you know, you, you understand 
that's not a fight that's going to happen. In order for you to win that, it's got to be something else involved. So oh, like, for it's sure. like, okay, I'm going to leave this guy alone. <laughs> just that kind of crazy. Did, was, oh, there, yeah. was there anyone that had like weird superstitions? I always think that what comes to my mind is like uh, Pedro Serrano from uh, Major League Major with League. Joe Boo. Yeah. Like, is there yeah. anybody that had weird stuff like that that they would do? Oh, ritualistic. Oh, we definitely had guys. We definitely had guys that wore the same socks or, 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 or of course, like the same cleats or, I mean, some, I mean, jock straps and stuff like that now that to me that that's not what i'm gonna ride with whatever because I, I ain't gonna have i ain't gonna have my body whatever uh end up end up getting getting rashes and yeah stuff you don't want like ringworm <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just I mean, nasty we had, but we had guys like that man and then and then like uh one of the guys i played with in seattle um chike okafer he he was a guy that was into like martial arts and stuff like that so he would do these routines like doing stretch lines and just in his locker and stuff. And I would start mimicking some of the stuff. And he was another <laughs> guy that was sort of wired different, but he knew I was playing with him. So he would like play along or whatever, but like guys didn't really mess with him either. But he, he, he had a thing with it where, I mean, and it worked for him. So I, I, I never knocked him on doing it, but he had a ritual that he would always go through. And, and it was almost like he was, he was mimicking like being in a fight or, or preparing for one or something, whatever. But it, it just, it was just different. Yeah, I feel like the first time you would see that, you'd be like, what in the fuck oh, is yeah. this guy doing? Oh, when you see him up there and everybody else is doing like like hanging, like like, like hamstring stretches and he's over here doing some some ritual from like uh, Karate Kid or whatever, you'd be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, leave, leave him alone. Leave him yeah. alone. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, that kind of crazy is not to be messed with. Chris always says no. that if he ever gets into a fight, he's just going to strip True. down naked. And just start like going after the guy because you can't match that kind of crazy. Listen, if if, no. if if I take the time to get completely naked as well as take off my socks in twenty degree weather and then start yeah. smacking myself to, in preparation oh, for yeah. the fight, no one's gonna fuck with me. They're gonna they're gonna be like, no, no, no. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> no, I I I I'll probably just go home and just say I won the fight, whatever. Like, yeah, you know, no, it, it happened. Hey, I won. Don't worry Jesus. about it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I whooped him. Oh, it was crazy. Crackhead for sure got naked. If a, if a cat does that, I don't even want to tell that story. Like, you wouldn't believe what he did. Like, no. And then if, and then if you're naked and I actually did fight you, then it's like, no, what could happen? No, yeah, no, what are you going to fight doing. a naked guy? Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you, you put your nuts in my face or whatever. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. Yeah, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so. Well, just, um, well what just happened to, like, I mean, the most common ritual I would think of is just like plugging in headphones and listening to some like empowering music, right? Like that seems like a very common. That would, oh, yeah, that would be most most people. I mean, but like, so John Randall, another guy, I had to bring him up again because he was one guy. That, so and then when I played, we had those, uh, we had those, uh, uh, the, the little uh, portable DVD players. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So, you know, everybody would still plug in and listen to music and stuff like that. But John wouldn't, John didn't have headphones on. He he played his music loud, like it, it didn't matter. And no coach, nobody would come to him and say, "Turn your music down." So John <laughs> and, and he would be listening to like rock, like Michael Jackson, like I mean, you know, stuff like that. Where and it's it's jamming, and he's on the treadmill before the game, running. He, you know, he started putting that black paint on, and once he puts that on, you leave him alone because he, he's in his own own zone. So that's one cat, whatever that you you let him hear his music, whatever, and you keep him moving. <laughs> 
Hell yeah. Yeah, it's probably a smart move with the guy yeah. that that's that's wild. Like even uh, if you're a coach, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, no, I'm out. I just it's not even worth the confrontation. Oh, no. You walk straight. You walk straight by him like you don't even hear. It. Yeah, you walk straight <laughs> like nope. Don't even know what's going on. And the yeah. best part is, you know, he has some sort of self awareness around that too. Like you'd probably think his head oh, yeah. like, yeah, you keep fucking walking. <laughs> oh, we had we had we had one guy. We had one guy, and I can't remember his name right now. But he played offensive line. He was he's actually our starting tackle for a little bit, and um. He would he would go missing for a week, like he would literally nobody knew where he was for a week. Like, what the, this is during this is during the season. Like Dennis Rodman and, of the NFL, uh, basically. And 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 the crazy part is that he wouldn't be at practice all week, and then one week he shows up to the stadium like he's about to play, like ready to like in his locker putting his pads in his pants, and like, and Hongram had to send somebody else. <laughs> To go tell him, like, yeah, go ahead and go home. Like, you're not playing. <laughs> you're not like, playing. Go ahead and go yeah. home. Oh, man. I mean, oh, but it, it's characters like that. Man, my thing is this, whatever. Like, football is modern-day gladiator, gladiator type of sport. So, I mean, it you got to have guys, especially – you think about these offensive linemen that are banging heads every play. You think about defensive players that are going at it every play. You can't be just – I mean, you're not wired the same as everybody else. you got to have a little something yeah. different in your tank, whatever. So, uh, I mean, you're going to have some guys that are a little bit more than just a little bit wide. They're, they're sure. all the way there. So, yeah. so, I mean, you'll see it, you'll see it here and there. That's interesting too. And, and I was, I was thinking about like, uh, watching like hard knocks and then you always get a couple guys that they feature on hard knocks that are just the crazy ones on the team. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. Like you're, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think about like John Henderson who played in Jacksonville. And he would have the trainer slap him like three times before he went out on the field. Jesus. I mean, like literally, if he didn't slap him hard, like he would go at the dude, like he would make the dude slap him hard. Like that got him going. God, damn. I don't need nobody slapping me, whatever, get no. me going. Like yeah. I, I, that right there. So, so, cause then I'm thinking about that guy, not, not right. on the field. I'm thinking, this dude just slapped the hell out of me. I, I gotta go get him back. So, um, no, but guys would do some different stuff, man, to get themselves motivated. Um, I mean, I, I think just the, I mean, just understanding like the crowds out there. I, I love, I love intros. So like going out doing intros, even if we were in away games, you think about it, it's 60, 70, 80,000 people. And sometimes, especially in college, it's a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. who are booing you. I mean, that's still a hundred thousand people who are yep. focused on you at that moment. So like that would get me riled up because, you know, my thing was always to quiet those hundred thousand. Right. Like I'm gonna find a way to quiet all of them. So I mean, it, it, it that motivated me more than anything. Uh, especially, of course, when you're at home, especially playing in Seattle. Yeah, the crowd was just insane. I mean, we had one game. I think I think uh, we were playing the Giants, and they had at least eight to ten false start penalties because the crowd was so loud. That's, that's and they investigated. Crazy. They investigated. <laughs> saying that we were pumping noise I was going to that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you about was that there was the rumors of pumping noise but people were saying no the decibel Man. level is just that high Seattle, because of the fans Seattle fans I mean and you think about it there's still a couple of couple of uh you know teams that still have true like all out fans I mean you think about Kansas City Seattle is one like Dallas had some fan base a great fan base whatever in the old stadium but the new stadium a lot of those fans couldn't afford it Right. So it went to corporations now. Now you got people who really don't care about the game, but they're at the game because we can go to a football game. So, right. but in Seattle, it was true fans, man. And they, and they, every time that fall start hit, they would get loud. They would get louder. They would get louder. I mean, to the point, a guy could be right next to me and couldn't hear me. 
I mean, like, literally, you had to do nothing but signals the entire game. Defense. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That would be so frustrating if you were an offense playing in Seattle. That would be so frustrating. Oh, yeah. I mean, not because once you jump, yeah, once you jump the first time, I mean, you 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 are now you're you're worried because it's in your head. Come up. Oh yeah, it's in your head all day long. Yep, that's wild. Um, if not football, and I know you're in cigars now, but if it weren't for football when you started, what would you be doing for a career? Well, really. So baseball was my best sport. Um, now I'm I'm from Memphis, uh, and and Memphis uh, is a little bit urban. I would say that it's it's a little <laughs> bit urban. So I I didn't have um, like the, the coaching and and the and the, the the guidance around us to really uh, you know get things directed. I mean, our baseball coach was appointed. They were in a in a staff meeting. They were just trying to figure out who was going. Everybody else, you know, had their coaching baseball, basketball, football, track was already sort of picked out from years past. And they would always just pick a, a random cat to be our, our baseball coach. And to the point where he would ask me certain days, like, who's going to pitch today? Or who should pitch? <laughs> who should play this position? Yeah. Like, I'm in, and I'm, I'm in the 10th, 11th grade or whatever, like 12th grade doing this. Like, so, so we didn't have that. But I mean, I, I, I excelled at baseball, man. It, it was a, but I got a scholarship in football. And to have to go through thinking about AAA and having to go through all these different steps. Right. And I was like, scholarship for doing that. And I chose football for that. I mean, it worked out great. Um, but if so, if, if it wasn't sports, though, I mean, I, I mean, I look at different business opportunities that I probably could have did. I mean, I, I would have been heavy in some type of business. Um, growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I don't know how that would have really worked out later on down the line. But um, I had pets and, and animals every day all day at the house i'd come home with something new me and my brother awesome. would come home with something to where my mom had to find what somewhere to put it put everything so <laughs> <laughs> we had like we had a, a a baby pool full of turtles and crawfish we had a moving box full of uh, snakes and we'd bring home possums and birds and one time we we were some bad little kids whatever so one time we fought we fought a dog a, a duck for its eggs <laughs> and I tried to hatch them ourselves. I mean, we did all type of stuff, man. So, so we always had the animals around. So who knows what would have happened, uh, you know, if, if football didn't really take off. Yeah. And so and now, obviously, you've segued into cigars. We'll get to that. I have one last football question for you. What are the yeah. chances the Browns will go to the Super Bowl in the next three years? See, the, I, I, really, I really try to understand what gets in their way because – I think offensively they have a they, they have a good core group of people. Um, I know Thomas retired the offensive line. He retired, so of course replacing. It's my all time favorite player. Sure, oh man, I mean, it, ten years, 10, 10 Pro Bowls, ten All Pros. I mean, you can't really beat it. So insane. Um, I look at I, I look at what they have defensively. They still have a good staff, a, a good group of guys. Uh, I look at it as them hitting it at the right time. I mean. It, these teams can be great. There's so many teams that can be great, whatever. But if you don't hit that stride at the right time, whatever. I don't care if Pittsburgh last year. Right. You 11-0, 11-0. So weird. What a you, weird outcome. You start finding that, yeah, you start finding that struggle. And then, of course, the one team they didn't want to play in the playoffs was Cleveland. Because Cleveland has two uh, a hell of a running game. And then as long as Mayfield doesn't doesn't blow it, you if, if you treat him, if he treats himself and thinks about it like Trent Dilfer when he was at Baltimore, just don't 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 lose the game. Right. If you can sit there and get it to those receivers, 
everybody was saying whatever. They were so much better when Odell out the game. I don't care what anybody says. That talent, I don't care if you don't throw it to him. You got to have him that on, the talent on the field. Him on the he field. He pulls everyone else away from everyone else. That's what he does. Exactly. I mean, that, that's what exactly. he can do so, for the team. I agree. So, so him on the field, of course, Landry, the, the running back situation, you got a good tight end. You, I mean, you got positions to where you can make plays. I think they have a chance, um, you know, of course, getting a couple pieces here and there that, that will add to it. And with those guys being there and them attracting other guys and having those conversations with guys to come here for a year or two and, and, and try to win one, it's, there, there's the possibility that it's there. I hope they do it. I mean, I've been waiting way too. I mean, long I got, I got. Hey, listen, my family is in Cleveland, whatever. So I know they, they, they love, they love. I mean, we, they always talking about, especially when they were winning this past year. They were all, they were on, on the wagon heavy. Um, now, of course, they were going to have to go through a lot. You still got to go through Kansas City, whatever, and do it and, and yeah. deal with them. So and Baltimore, and so you, you got, you got some challenges, but they, they're, they're going in the right direction. I hope so. I mean, I hope they, uh, I hope, you know, this was a good year. It was a good test um, just to see how the offense could run, you know, operationally much more. So I like Kevin Stefanski as a coach. That guy yeah. is just, he's figuring things out. The defense, a little suspect sometimes that need to tighten yep. some stuff up. But man, I'm like, oh, we got to, we got to make a run. It's our time. Anyway, um, so I got to ask you this question. You migrate, oh, obviously away in your football career. Is that when cigars started? When did cigars start for you? Like, when did you smoke your first cigar? Like, I feel like everybody remembers that experience. So what was that for you? Well, my first, my first cigar, and it was more, so beginning when I first started, it was more of a celebratory thing. So we went a game, go smoke cigars, whatever, and chill. So my first cigar, actually, and, and this is when I didn't really, I didn't know anything about cigars. Or whatever. I went to a gas station, gas station, grabbed a cigar. And actually this gas station was, had some nice cigars, which I still didn't know at the time. My first cigar was a Padron 64. Oh shit. Oh, and, That's a great yeah, first exactly. cigar. <laughs> and, and, exactly. And I, and I went there and you know what I did? I looked at, it, I said, which one's the most expensive? Okay. Most expensive. Let me get that one. Cause I'm like, Hey, look, it gotta be good. It's, mo- it's the most expensive one here. So let me get those. So, um, we used to smoke just for, just to celebrate different things, whatever kickback. We go on trips. We celebrate, especially vacation, celebrate, and then, um, so that was, uh, I want to say that was like around, I mean, it's, it's been about 15 years um, of me smoking cigars. So I, that started with that. Then it started getting to more toward the end of my career. I started to really go to the cigar lounge, you know, sit down and, you know, interact with people without smoking cigars, have those conversations. Then towards the, at the end of my career, I started going to some of the different cigar events, started going. Uh, with the owners at, at the lounge that I'm at, International House of Stogies, I started going with them to IPCPR, um, going to Pro Cigar. And then I and then I, I sit there and, and heard about when I was at IPCPR, I ran by a booth and it was the uh, Pro Cigar Fest. And I was like in Santiago in DR. I was like, man, this is this cool little trip. I mean, every factory that I can think of that I smoke is there. So ended up, First year was like telling all the guys we need to go there and waited on them. And of course you wait on other people. It doesn't happen, whatever. So yeah, so ended up not going. So I told them, I don't care what y'all doing. I'm going the following year. So I ended up, yeah. So I ended up going by myself and um, probably the best thing I could have did was cause there wasn't no other interact uh, interferences of, of me like hanging out with the fellas or anything. I was there. I was locked into every event that was going on. 
um, and had a had a blast. I mean, it, it was it was great. Met so many different people from across the world, and I I, I mean, from that point on, I was like, oh, I'm here every year. That's awesome. So I started going back, going back, going back, and um, that's when I sort of got that got the. Uh, I mean, I, I started talking with the guys, whatever. I started talking with the guys uh, up there, and the same guys that I see there, I would see at IPCPR. So they sort of started knowing me. I started knowing them, uh, different owners. I mean, I, I think like uh, me and Le- me and Lito, Antonio with LFD. Uh, actually, sit there and went to the uh, Fuente. I went to the Fuente factory when I was out there, and we did the school experience of of the school that they built down there, and um, and started talking with talking with the guys. And I'm talking to Carlito. I'm like, so. You know, tell him, you know, I'm, my interest in his cigars and this, that, and the other. And he's like, oh, you know what? When you come back, you know, we can go to the factory where I can show you the factory. And I'm like, okay. So he gives me his number. And, you know, they use WhatsApp and everything with, with all the international stuff. And I, the whole time that he's putting the number in, I'm like, he's giving me a fake number. This is definitely not his number. <laughs> like, I mean, because I'm thinking, you think about the guys in the game, whatever. Like, Colito is he's a at the top. huge... He's a, yeah, he's the, the, the like the godfather of, of this yep. thing right now. So I ended up going back and uh, I ended up texting him. He was like, oh, Ken, I'm not here. Uh, responded right back. And I was like, oh, shit, this is crazy. He was like, but my guy is there. I'm going to get you linked up. So he got me into the factory. We did that whole experience. And while I was there, I started just talking with some of the factory owners about the possibility. Because so before, right before that, I actually ordered some, Cuban seeds from a guy in Alaska and um, got him to the house and I started growing. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah, that is sweet. Yeah. So, so that, and I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm like, I don't even know if this soil, if this temperature and everything. I'm thinking like, okay, this is similar to, to, to their temperature out there. So let me see. So I grew, it grew and it grew tall and, but I didn't really know the steps of everything. So I just, I just grew it. I got so I'm it. Like, okay. <laughs> Did that. All right, cool. <laughs> Everything's good. So I pulled it and just left it alone. The following year came and I see in my in my garden, I'm like, oh, there's something growing, but I haven't planted anything. The <laughs> seeds had fell and they were growing back. Oh, and so sure. I went back. I remember I go back to the IBCDR and I talked with some of the guys and I went to, uh, I knew Nurka with uh, Reyes. Um, so I was talking with her and I started talking to one of her growers and we sat down for like 30 minutes. He's giving me the different steps of what to do next, this, that, and the other. So I go home, I'm, I'm going through the steps. I, you know, I crop, I cut them, I'm hanging them, um, everything. So all this is going on and they sort of see, I think the best part about it is that they saw my, my interest level in what was going on as well. And not just on, okay, you know, you want a cigar and you want to put your name on it and this, that, and the other. Right. They saw that I was I, I was going through these different steps. So when I came to to them and, and, and was talking about the possibility of doing a cigar, um, it, they were open. I mean, I I, I went to I, I went to uh, La Aura and I hadn't met Guillermo. He wasn't there. And so I went to La, La Aura, went to the tour, and we were at a gala that evening. And Guillermo came over to me and was like, I heard you interested in possibly doing your cigar. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about it. And he was like, well, look, I'm a, we exchange numbers. I'm going to give you my schedule. You come back down and we'll, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll really look at, you know, putting some things together. And so that right there with him, Nurka, uh, Manolo with, with Casada, a couple of other factories, 
I went back and just started going to different ones and just doing like different blending, blending sessions and uh, started narrowing down like who could the possibility be or who, yeah. who I would go with. And while I was there, I mean, me and Guillermo and, and, and then I met, I met Manuel, I know who's the master blender for Laura. It just was, it organically came together where that was the right fit because we would, I mean, he would literally, and this and think about it. So Guillermo is like, you talking about Don's like, like Godfather's mm-hmm. like, Guillermo's like the quiet Don. Like he doesn't talk much, yep. but this dude here is big time. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think they they say like I guess Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos with Amazon is like one percent of the U.S. It might be more now because of how he's doubled and tripled his his value. But at the time, it was like one percent of of our like U.S. income, and Guillermo and the Leon family is like ten percent of the Dominican that's income. wild like that's crazy yeah it's 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 insane but the dude is so laid back and chill and just like you know he he's so just cool with everything like he he would come and pick me up we'd go to the factory get done take me home and and him and him and Manuel were always asking me like what what do you have what plans do you have and I always tell them listen I have plans to not have plans what are we doing <laughs> and they would always, so we'd go I'll pick you up at 7 30 we go to dinner and so we just developed a relationship, man, that, that, that was just, I mean, it was just natural. It wasn't anything forced. And then it, then when we got into the whole cigar thing, it just became even more natural because me and Manny just was so cool and, and it worked out so well that it was a natural fit to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do my cigars with, 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 uh, with La Aura. So the, the arrival hasn't been out long, right? This was a end of 2020 release, technically. So it's only been on the market for a little while. When did the when did the process start in terms of blending and even conceptualizing what you wanted to do? Like what year and time frame was that? Well, this this is almost a three year process. Okay. Um, and you add the pandemic and everything else. I to know, it. Jesus man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it so I wanted to launch. So and then before the pandemic hit, I remember my last time going down there. The possibility of launching was like January, February of last year. Um. And, and so we had been working on it. Um, and, and the best part about to me is that I got to, I got to actually be a part of the entire process. Um, and I, I, and I decided on everything and I really sort of created what I wanted. So I got to go down there and, and be, and be right there. Me and Manny blending, I mean, smoking crazy amount of tobacco to actually, uh, you know, finalize what we had. Cause <laughs> when I, when I first did it, um, I had a I had a Brazilian filler, uh, and and it was it was a good stick, and then we just started playing with different things, whatever. And I so the one thing that I did before I even started this process, me and one of the guys, Jonathan Reed, at, at the shop, we started going like on cigar scanner and looking at the like the top five cigars that we liked, and ones that we smoke often, and we and it sort of came to that Ecuadorian wrapper was on all of them. And so I was like, you know what, this guy, this has to be on the stick, like period. And then thought about it, like, you know, I like this so much, whatever, let's double down with it. So we switched the Brazilian filler to the, to the, uh, 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 Brazilian uh, binder to the, um, Ecuadorian binder. And I can remember the first time we, 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 uh, we ended up rolling like 30 of them, did a bundle and, um, brought them to Manny's, uh, his, his office. And he had got on the phone, so we had grabbed two of them out of him, started smoking, and I'm smoking, and I'm 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 not even 
pull in really into the first third and I'm already like, this is, this is, this is nice. I, I like this. Yeah. I like, this is it. And, uh, so while we're smoking, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Manny and I'm trying to get a nod, a okay, uh, whatever from him. Like, cause I'm thinking, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm fresh in this, whatever, even though I've been smoking for a long time, I, this guy has 30 plus years of knowledge and experience in this, whatever. If he gives me that, yes, then, then we, we, we're, we're good to go. And he's on the phone, he's smoking. And I'm like, I don't even know if he's paying attention to the damn smoke. I'm, 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 I'm getting, I'm, I'm sort of getting upset. Like, like say something. And so I can recall he, while I'm smoking, he looked at me, he put the phone out. He was like, I think we got something. Nice. And he picked it back up, whatever. Kept smoking. I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what I wanted to hear. And because the entire, through the entire process, I was bringing samples back and I was giving it to certain guys that I knew that were, you know, smokers, that, that guys that, that, that actually, you know, paid attention to the smoke, not guys that just love the interaction of putting yeah. it to their mouth and puffing on it, but actually, you know, getting notes and, and understanding what's going on and, and, and getting some feedback. So I was always getting some pretty good feedback when I brought these back. It was like, I mean, from guys that smoke light sticks to guys that smoke full full body sticks, they all were like, I like it. You know, this is nice. So um, that was like the 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 beginning of of really the entire process coming together and saying, okay, now we have a stick. Now let's move to the next process of marketing with a difference that we I went and had a marketing meeting with uh, Johnny who works with Laura, who deals with boxes, bands, and all that type of nice. stuff. And we sat down and uh, <laughs> So he doesn't speak really any English and I'm I'm choppy with my Spanish. So <laughs> we had a we had an interpreter. And so we were in a meeting for a good five or six hours. And okay. after the first hour of us going through the interpreter and really just, you know, getting the information, that after that hour, it was almost like we locked in. Like he knew what I was talking about. I knew what he was talking about. He cause he had that vision. He seen what I was trying to do. And we just going back and forth. And we ended up coming, I mean the box so because so and i, I think you, you've seen the box um yep. so the, the box i had so what i wanted to do i didn't want to slap my name on it didn't want to like sort of just be so obvious with different stuff i wanted the box to be presented a certain way but it still includes some of my journey and my life in it so i got a cowboy blue lid on it that's true um and then with the i got one right here whatever so did the cowboy blue lid I don't know if you can see it because of the background. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, um, I can see it right there. And then with the inside to bring in the Seattle Seahawks, I had, I wanted to make it like it was sitting in a nest. So Seahawks sitting in a nest, whatever. So I was like, listen, is there a possibility you could do this? And he was like, he was thinking, he was like, I think we can do that. Because they, you know, with the stems that they break off and they don't use, it's just sitting in a bag most of the time or sitting in a box somewhere and they normally either sell it off to somebody else or they or they they throw it away or whatever. And it was like, okay, we can use those stems, build a bridge around it and and, and make it work. So I was like, wow, boom, that's perfect. And and even with the not to keep talking whatever, but it like even with the name, just to bring in the the, the band part of it. So initially, like you said, my nickname was the hammer, and that that was of course, I wanted that to be the name of the stick. I, yeah, I wanted yeah. that to be the name. I read sure. that. Like, I read that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, listen, this this is it. Like, there's no 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 thinking about it. The hammer. And what I was going to do, and I was actually going to going to take some and, and sort of 
show respect, whatever, to the Dominican, the, 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 the Spanish side of things and call it El Martillo, the Spanish version of the hammer. That's sweet. So I'm like, and I was like, that sounds sexy. I'm like, yeah. that, you know, it come off, the, it grows off the tongue real That's nice. a dope name. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, sexy, yeah. that's hey, look. so I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is perfect. As soon as I got into the lawyers, they were like, "No, <laughs> like, Wait, what? can't do it." Well, it's another, it's another uh, company that has an affiliation with the Hammer. And the first thing, whatever, I actually talked with uh, Antonio with LFD, uh, and I was sitting sitting in his office, and I was telling him my ideas, just talking about different stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, Ken, you're probably gonna have a problem with Padron because their whole concept of." their grandfather or great-grandfather who started the whole thing of using a hammer and this that, oh, and the other um and the, of course they have the little hammer is right. one of their cigars whatever but they weren't even really the issue there was another company that had the hammer as a part of their one of their names and stuff like that then it was a wine forest this is when i learned about all this trademark and stuff sickle. and everything yeah. exactly then then it was another company that that was a wine company that had so trademarking it was going to be tough. So I was like, okay. So I started shooting a guy like one name here, one name there. He was like, Ken, don't shoot me no one, one name, anything, no more. <laughs> Sit down for about a week or two, come up with like 25 to 30 names and send them to me. Then we'll go through them. And so I'm like writing stuff down when I'm at the house. If I'm out and think of something, I'm putting it in my notes on my phone. And then, so I come up with like 25 names and I shoot it to him. He cuts out like 18, 17, 18 of them <laughs> off the bat. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, God, fuck. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, hey, I really thought about these names. This, this is, is a week. <laughs> yeah. Week oh, man. <laughs> so, but the arrival stayed on the list. And, um, you know, I started thinking, okay, you know. And, and then once he said, okay, these four, <laughs> he gave me maybes on a couple of Maybe, maybe, yes, maybe. I'm like, okay. But the arrival, I thought about. It, I'm like, you know what, that fits. And I, and and I was thinking, I'm like, you know what, because when I when I played, or even just in my general life, whatever, when you when you show up, you want to have an impact and you want to have an impression. You want to leave an impression. And I was like, that's that arrival. That's that when, with the cigar. You know, I want when they smoke or whatever. It like it leaves an impression and an impact on them. So I was like, that that's it. This is what we're going with. And so with the band. I was still able to bring in that hammer sort of impact. If you look at the band, it has that shattering effect. Yeah, so like I when love that, that hammer hits and it has that shattering effect, that sort of brings that still into into the play. So I was like, man, this is perfect. Let's roll with it. So that 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 part of the meeting, whatever, we knocked out the band in, in, a, in a little bit of time to where he saw what I wanted to do with that. He had ideas. I mean, and then I don't know if you've seen the video. Uh, we did a one minute video. I was back in Santiago and, the, and the, the, the film crew came and we did a video and Johnny had this, this thought like immediately when we were in the meeting, like, okay, I got an idea for a video and the video, if you haven't seen it yet, I'll shoot it to you. But the video is, is badass with no words, all about, all about just the, just showing the transition from football to cigars. Oh, that's dope. And then I haven't just seen about it. The, I mean, so, oh man, I'm going to send it to you. Yeah, it, is, it is pretty dope, whatever, like, how he came up with this idea and we did it. I mean, we were, we were in the, in the studio for probably about four or five hours or whatever. He just wanted to get, I gotta get another, I gotta get another look. I gotta get another view. I gotta get another. And these cats are not speaking no, no English. Like we're, we're, we're working it <laughs> out. You're just like, we, we, we see. Oh uh, yeah. We're working. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, 
So with every step, man, it was just like, okay, man, this is like, it, it became like a fun journey because everything started to play out. We're like, okay, now I'm getting closer, another step closer, another step closer. And then it got to 2020 where I was like, okay, it's about to launch. And then pandemic hit. And uh, it, it didn't even put a pause. It put a straight stop to everything. Like I would call Manny like, hey, you know, y'all opening up soon or y'all got he's like no we, we are like they were shut down right. and then of course they still have a demand with all the other cigars you know they do so it was like it was backed up like forever and um so i i stopped i stopped and of course the biggest thing about that is that everybody's sort of seen me just from instagram and social media itself like they saw the journey as well they saw me down there in the factory. They saw right. me. So they're all asking me now, too. Like, when is it yeah, coming? Right. Like, what's happening? What's happening? And I'm like, listen, I told the people, like, don't ask me no more. Like, I, I can't <laughs> give you an answer. Like, the pandemic has shut everything down. So once we got to, uh, you know, around October, we started seeing that things were starting to open back up and things were going to get going. Um, had to make changes, uh, which slowed it down, too, because I had to go from a 20-count box to a 25-count box. This is all... All, all the, uh, the 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 behind the scenes type of stuff of having to deal with, uh, you know, the the trademarking and the and the grandfathering and all this stuff that you got to do, um, but that sort of worked out great. Um, but the bad part about that was, is that we had all of these boxes already done, for a twenty count box. Oh, yeah, they had to throw everything away and start uh. over. Yeah, so that 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 was frustrating. Um, and, and but once it all got done, um, November like October end of October came and I knew so I, I I my distributor is Miami Cigars, and so I was communicating with them about getting the cigars in and when we we're gonna get them in, and so once they gave me a date, I was like, cool, I'm not pausing anymore. I, I'm I'm having the cigars are coming in like early the next week. I had an event set, my launch event set for that weekend, that Saturday, and uh, so. Jason with Miami Cigars was like, okay, look, we're getting the cigars in on Tuesday. I'm shipping them out to you. They'll get there Friday uh, for your event Saturday. And this was like Sunday before. And I was like, uh, something doesn't sound right with that. Like, I mean, it just anything can go wrong, especially with the pandemic hitting or whatever. And, and yep. <laughs> mail not going. This, I'm like, something's not right. And something's not going to act up. Something's going to act up. So I looked at my wife with it. I woke up like, like, like Sunday, Sunday morning, I woke up and was like, I'm flying to Miami to get my cigars. Smart, <laughs> like, smart move. That's a so, smart move. So, yeah. So I flew, I flew to Miami on Tuesday morning, called Jason, was like, hey, you know, I'm here. He was like, all right, cool. The cigars got here. They're at customs. We're going to get them in a little bit and we'll get them. Through. You can come over and get them. So a Tuesday afternoon hit, Tuesday early evening, he was like, they're still at customs. They won't be ready till tomorrow, which would have been terrible if I didn't come get them. No shit. Because they yeah, would have been so, delayed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I get over there Wednesday morning. I got one of my close, my, my one of my, my, he's like my brother that lives in Miami. He, he agreed whatever to drive back with me. So I go, we're, we're like, like we're smugglers or whatever. We roll over <laughs> to the factory. <laughs> we load up like, 70 or 80 boxes into into a suburban and we're driving from Miami (laughs) back to Houston with all the cigars we get back we get back where and that's that was the best feeling because I knew once I had them I'm like okay yeah you're good rolling now right everything is rolling now but yeah the the first event was was great I mean 
to get the reaction from the different people, whatever that were there, that were sitting there smoking it, uh, was a great feeling and to see all of it come together and the look of it, how everything sort of played out and knowing that, you know, all the steps were done and that I didn't sort of cheat myself at the same time, didn't cheat whoever the consumer was uh, by, by cutting corners anywhere. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things I sincerely admire about your effort and it shows through your social media for sure is that your dedication to these cigars is unlike I've seen from anybody else who has that kind of celebrity status. You'd mentioned earlier that it's like it wasn't the effort wasn't about putting your name on something and just putting it out into the ether. It's like you are at those events, you are coordinating everything, you're with the consumers, you're pushing the cigars, you believe in them to the nth degree. Like this is this is more than just slap my name on a label and see what happens. It's like this is oh, yeah. something you are insanely committed and dedicated to, which I have not seen from any other cigar um, manufacturers who are blending stuff for other people. Like they're just, it seems like there's just a lesser involvement in that process. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that those folks don't have a love for cigars. They, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they do. It's just the dedication level is different. And, and, and I can see that. And it, it, I admire it to the nth degree. I love when you post photos. It's like you're taking pictures with people. You've got the cigar, the arrival background. And it's just it, all the events look like they're just a killer time. They all look fun. It looks like everything's super well received. But you're always front and center. Like your dedication to that is insanely admirable. That was the one That was the one thing. And I can remember talking with Jason, one of the first conversations we had um, and he, he was telling me because, of course, he has seen him being with Miami Cigars and dealing with certain other people, I will say. Um, he's he's seen the other side of that, of what you're talking about. He's seen the guys who get a cigar out and then, you know, don't want to do events or don't want to go or don't want to travel or don't want to. And, and he was telling me, like, how like how real, how dedicated are you into this? And I told him, I said, listen, this is like my baby. This is like this is like me, you know, basically coming from high school to college or college to the NFL, having to prove yourself, whatever, and being in a different industry or a different level of that industry and, and wanting to sort of, you know, put something out there and actually prove yourself, whatever. So I was like, listen, I'm, I'm in, if I got to travel and go somewhere, whatever. I, I, I want to do it. It's not about having to, it's about me wanting to do it and wanting to be there and not have a third party be my representation being there. And I think that especially initially, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, hire some reps and get some brokers to go out right. and be okay. Yeah. Take mine to the, to the West and you take mine to the East and you right. go and just let me know what happens. No, I mean, because my thing is this, whatever, nobody's going to give the answer to that question better than me. So why, why send somebody else out there to do it? Especially right. initially, I wanted to be a part of it. Definitely. Us consumers, we call bullshit on celebrity <laughs> cigars too. So oh yeah, like well, that, we, that's the first, that's the first thing. That, and that's the one thing I didn't want to be a part <laughs> I didn't want people to look at it and be like, you know what? This is the athlete cigar, and then these are the other cigars. Right. <laughs> um, because it, 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 it's happened. I mean, he, the first write-up I did, the guy, it's it probably good. I don't remember his name, whatever. He, he's a, but he's a guy that does crazy good reviews, and people look at what he does. But his first statement was another athlete with a with a cigar. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not what I want. I, I I take that whatever with a, with a grain of salt because I know the the work that I put into it. Right. Yeah. So and, and I know I didn't I didn't try to cut any corners or try to get a shortcut here and there or try to use oh I got this money whatever so let me just throw it at this and just see what happens. 
Right. I actually went, I was actually there. And I mean, I was actually in the factory from nine to five or, you know, four weeks here, four weeks there, four weeks. Like I was there putting in the work to where it was like, no, no, no. your time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's, I think that's like, you know, even in our platform and our show and the collective audience, I mean, their, their preconceived ideas around what this is and talking to you would probably be very similar. The, the difference is, is that you open up a platform to be able to talk about the story and the journey as a whole. And then people become yeah. aware of everything that you've put into it. And it's definitely, and, and it, it shines through on the cigar. The cigar is a great yeah, cigar. And I love great. that it has. So there's this thing about like, there's this, there's this thing to me and Chris knows this about like traditional Dominican cigars. And even though you have components of the cigars mm-hmm. that are strikingly different, like there is, there is an edge to that Dominican style and that flavor that I fell in love with early, early on into cigar smoking. When I was 19 years old, I fell in love with it. And I've smoked obviously tons of cigars since then and all different varieties from tons of different countries. There's something about that edge that in Dominican cigars, it's like when I smoke it, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm glad to be back. And your cigar has that. It's just, whew. I appreciate it. No, I, that, that's the one thing. And I've, I've gone to Nicaragua, and of course I've smoked Nicaragua cigars, whatever, but I've gone to Nicaragua, I've gone to Honduras, I've sort of been in these different spots and different factories and smoked different things. And so my thing was always, and it always brought me back to Dominican Republic because I, I just I just know that the work, that, especially with La Hora, I, I see and, I, and I've learned like the, the dedications they put from, from from Manny, from Guillermo all the way down. I mean, I, the, the rollers and how they roll. I mean, Not just now. and the draw and the draw that the cigar gets. And the diff, these cats are are about being precise with what they do, or whatever. So I I enjoyed it to that extent to where I'm like, yeah, this is where I want to grow. Even if I'm putting different regions in this cigar, right. I wanted to be coming from here, and then we can sort of play with it here and there. Because of course, I love the fact that. I mean, of course, Cubans are great. I mean, and they're great for their own. And of course, then they have this 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 sort of uh, hype about it too because they're Cubans. Right. But I love the fact that you can actually and and that that, that different countries are open to taking a you know Cameroon or Costa Rica or right. you know just taking di- and seeing what it could possibly do. Yep. And and then finding that whatever to where now it's enjoyable everywhere because because of that different region can bring that little bit of different into it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I love that man. It, and it's, it's really, you, know, you play with so many different things. I've seen so much dag on tobacco. It's like, <laughs> where is this from now? Like, okay, this is from, this is from here, Nicaragua, but it's from, it's from this area which has the, the volcanoes. Okay, yeah. this one here is from this one who has the flatlands, and it's, and you see, you smoke, and you're like, oh shit, like okay, this is what's going on. Like, yeah. so, just. 10 minutes away or whatever, you can get something totally different from this area because of what the soil is doing right. over here. And it's, it's crazy. So it makes it so much more interesting, man, to have to act, to, to be able to just use, okay, let me try this, try this. Let me smoke this by itself and see what it does. And it, it's it, it, it's a, a cigar lover's playground, man. And I, I, I've enjoyed it. That's why I think it's yeah. never, never going to get to the point where you could ever say one thing is exactly like the other because the variety of tobacco like you you just made the perfect statement factory right here factory next door two different soil types yes. two different ways of watering two different ways of fermentation process can completely change how each of those 
um, combinations of tobacco taste. And that's the cool thing about it is that you can just play and explore with so much. It almost seems, if you think about it, it seems infinite. And it is infinite yeah. because even from year to year, the climate changes, the soil changes in certain areas and certain regions, yeah. which produces vastly different tobacco. It's one thing that I know drives manufacturers nuts because it's hard to create consistency around really successful <laughs> consistency blends. Is tough. It's yeah. tough. Like they'll say, hey, this was a shitty year for tobacco and yep. hopefully next year will be better. But that's kind of part of the fun of it, I think. And it's probably not as fun for them, but as a consumer, it is because yeah. there's so much exploration that you get to have. Ken, what is... um. What's next in terms of, well, I would say, what's your continued effort with the arrival since it is new? So what do you plan to do in terms of the rest of 2021? And then what's the future? So future blends, you want to expand this thing beyond what it is? Like what, what's, what is it, what's all holding, you know, past this year? So, so moving forward, well, actually next week I have an event with, uh, and this is the best part about it too, being able to partner with different people. And of course, in my profession, the guys that have moved on and are doing different things. I have an event next week with Charles Woodson. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. He has a wine, he has a wine and a bourbon, uh, that he has intercept is the wine. And so we're doing a pairing, uh, in Orlando, uh, next week. Awesome. So that'll be, that'll be cool. Uh, and, but and that's that's sort of the fun part about it, whatever. Because I ended up seeing him. He came to the event that I had at Super Bowl at Davidoff in Tampa, and um, knew he had the wine, but didn't know he had the bourbon. And we just—I mean—he came up. We started talking. He was like, "Man, we need to look at possibly doing it. me, you, Ed, whatever. We need to look at possibly doing something." I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Like Dude, the clash of the safeties, cool. man. Yeah, that's like, crazy. Like, I mean, so so yeah. So it's like, man, that's cool. I mean, that type of stuff is cool. My thing is is really i don't i don't look at being it trying to be in every this is and this is where you have all these different people in your, in your ear or whatever you need to go over here you need to go over here you need to go over here my thing is that not being in every shop not even trying to be in every shop my thing is building a relationship with different shops to where they're helping me i'm helping them right. and we can build that relationship and make something happen whatever especially if they if they have the same vision that i have so and and possibly being in a few shops here and there in different cities, uh, but just growing it on that to where I know whatever, especially making Houston my foundation and Texas my foundation. It's been it's been a great a great turnaround turn turn uh, turnaround so far on what's going on with the cigar here in Texas, but growing in different regions um, slowly but surely. I already told <laughs> I told my family in Cleveland. I told guys in Chicago and all of there, listen, I'm not coming there until it gets warm. Because my biggest thing is that like, like we talked about just a minute ago is that I like being there. I mean, I like, I like to be able to be there and actually uh, at, at least have an initial like launch event there to where there's any questions, there are any thoughts, there are any, whatever it is, whatever I'm there to, to sort of, answer those questions they can see and, right. and ask the person who actually created and be right there so i don't want to just send some cigars over here and be like all right have a good day right because yeah. i feel like that's not that's not the direction that i want to go with it. but i want to eventually grow and, and build it out but um i look at the line this line especially as a baseline line where you know padrone has the 64 and the 26 yep it's going to always be there like that cigar is going to always, and I look at different other other uh, cigar companies that have their ones that you know it's just going to always run. I, and I I would like for this one to be one of those baseline cigars to where it's just that that's the arrival, and then you have a change up from there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I already have a couple of other other blends that 
that I've sort of been, and I've, you know, handed to different guys to try and this, that, and the other. And they're like, what the hell is this? Uh, what, what's going on with this? And what, so um, I have one that, um, that I try, I tried my best to do. And I don't, we'll see how, once I get back to DR and, and me and Manny sort of play with a little bit more, but it was a, uh, a Connecticut rapper, but probably the most full body Connecticut rapper cigar that you could possibly. Oh, shit. So it had some know, deception had. to it, huh? Oh yeah. Now, and that's the biggest thing. Of, and, and every time I gave it to somebody, their first thought process is looking at the cigar and say, okay, this is a Connecticut. So they're smoking. And then before they even get into the first, they're like, what in the hell? <laughs> like, what's, what's in this cigar? And so that was the sort of thing with that. I mean, I got a couple of other ones that I've done in, in, uh, in Honduras that were just different ones that I wanted to play with to see, see what I could possibly do. But this is the beginning and, and sort of, like I said, the baseline. Um, and then from here, just seeing what direction. Of course, I want to have something more full body uh, with more strength and then just start start to sort of, like we talked about the different regions, start playing with different regions, seeing how you can bring different different regions in to get a cigar that keeps people guessing, keeps people yeah. thinking, keeps people wondering, okay, what's, okay, I'm getting something different. I, I like that change up more than just having a cigar that's straight through, just smoking straight through the same. Amen. So finding ways to sort of continuously do that and, uh, and pique people's interest. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's exactly what, so when Chris and I, in certain cigars we smoke that it may be a manufacturer that we understand and know for a long period of time. And maybe they have some consistency in terms of flavors. Like you say, Hey, yeah. this, this, this organization really kind of tailors to this kind of profile. And then they come up with something really different and you smoke it and you're like, what was that? And it yeah. makes you excited because you get to explore something different that you're not necessarily accustomed to. That's my favorite thing in cigars is when right. someone, when a cigar offers me a sense of shock value, I go, holy shit, what is yeah. going on here? This is fantastic. And again, there's endless combinations. So it's, I love the idea that you're like continuing to explore that. I think that's really cool. Definitely. Now, Ken, we're going to close it out with this. I usually reserve um, this opportunity to ask Chris questions and the segment, I call it Chris questions. We're going to call it Ken questions. These questions really come in terms of, they have nothing to do with cigars, but just more probably give people a sense of who you are as a human. And some of them are gotcha. jovial and funny and some of them are serious, but Here's one that I'm going to ask you to start off. What song makes you dance uncontrollably? I'm an old soul, man. Um, and so, so majority of the time when I get in the car, I have it on an old school like Pandora. As I, I'm always on the Marvin Gaye Pandora uh, channel. Okay. So any any nice. jam that comes on from that. I'm I'm jamming. I, I I'm in my zone right there. There's a lot of the guys in cigar lounge. I'm probably one of the youngest guys in the cigar lounge. And you're um, listening to old school music. And I'm <laughs> hey, and, and I tell them all the time. They, they, <laughs> something comes on. They're like, "King, you don't know nothing about that." I always tell them, "You can't miss me." I, like but, like when I grew up, I mean, especially Sundays, we were all it was old school all day long. I mean, that that the, the station never changed. That's what we listened to. And it's crazy because I just went back to Memphis uh, a few weeks ago and my little sister, who's 23, she turns the radio on and she's listening to old jam. She's singing old jam. That's awesome. Old school songs. Like that. So, so it, it, anything in that realm, I'm jamming. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Which do you prefer, pigtails or ponytails? 
Be careful. I'm going to say because it's a, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to say because ponytails might be a little older. <laughs> Have you ever dated someone your parents didn't like? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I dated an actress uh, for, for, oh, for a little time. And um, and and the problem with her is that she ne- she always seemed to be like, you know, how you say when they, when they start, whether they say action, she was never off. It seemed like she was always oh, yeah. action, always action. And and my, my mom and my sister, they could not. I, I had a housewarming party at my condo in Dallas. And I can remember they left and went back to the hotel. And they were like, oh, Lord, she's here. Oh, I'm out. So that didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like, <laughs> hey, when the fam- when the family disagrees, you're just like, hey, sage advice. You kind of have to. You kind of have you to roll with paying, the family advice. They see something attention. for sure. Yeah, you start paying attention to certain things a little bit differently. Yeah. What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? <laughs> Play football. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like an obvious yeah, answer, no. but I didn't know if something trumped that. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm that adventurous. I mean, I go scuba diving. Um, I'm certified scuba diving, so some people would say that's crazy, but I... I mean, it's like a calming effect when I'm when I'm in the water like that. Uh, so I probably would have to say, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've swam with the sharks and, and oh, uh, my stingrays and stuff. So I mean, I I like that. I was trying to go. Uh, I just went to um, Cabo and we were trying to do the, the swimming with the. Uh, I think I forgot which whales which whales they were, whatever. But. Uh, couldn't do that. It was all booked up, whatever. But I, I like doing stuff like that. I mean, that's yeah. a little bit more adventurous for me. But uh, I'm not jumping out of a plane or anything like that. That's not happening. Hey, Amen. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yeah. My wife and I were actually we were driving earlier, and uh, have you ever seen those iFly uh, places where yes. you just kind of float? I told her, I said, isn't the exhilaration of skydiving the fact that you're falling from an airplane? I was like, what now, kind see? of exhilaration is on exactly. the little fan? <laughs> I've done that. I've done the iFly. It's, I mean, I, I, I could have done, used that time some, doing something different. I, yeah. But I, I don't look forward into free falling. I don't either. I have me. no aspirations. Me. Yeah, my I wife's told, like, just go skydiving with me. I'm like, I don't have any aspiration to do that whatsoever. Listen, I told people, because I have a couple of friends who were talking about that. I said, listen, I would be the best cameraman from the ground that you ever see. <laughs> I will watch I will you get fall. all the footage. <laughs> I will talk about it a whole way. And just so happen if that thing to open up, I will be the one to tell a story. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I like adventurous stuff. Like Chris and I used to ride bikes, but motorcycles. Yeah. And it's like we had no problem going 160, 170 miles an hour and, and being ra- like there's certain things. That I love adventure and I love adrenaline and there's certain things I'll do. I've swam with sharks. We, My wife and I opened swam with sharks in Hawaii, which was yep. the craziest thing I've probably ever done. Oh, man. Craziest Holy thing shit. for me, though, is actually I took so – I have property in, in Belize and um, I took my, my kids and at the time my kids were five and three and, and we did the, so we went swimming and, and you do the snorkeling first and you go around and they were, I mean, they were in the water and we sort of prepared them, had my swim instructor come to the house and they were, so we had the new, that new mask that, that covers your whole face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had got, we had got them those, those and they were working with that and doing, oh, it's nice. And so they were swimming there. Cool. We got out and we went to another area where you swim with sharks, sea turtles, and stingrays and stuff. My son and my daughter jump in the water, and I'm sort of thinking, like, see how they react. 
we had to pull them out of the water. Like they didn't want to get out. I mean, it's it's as soon as you jump in, it's sharks and stingrays and sea turtles everywhere. They are, like chasing them. Like I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> like I mean, I'm still a little hesitant, ready to punch one of them in the nose or something. Whatever. Yeah. But, like they were just like, and they were having a blast, man. So that that right there, I mean, and that's I guess that's the feeling I get when I do scuba diving and stuff like that is just getting down there and sort of seeing new stuff, and they 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 enjoyed it as well. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That was an experience I'll never forget. We had some good pictures yeah. of it. It was a little terrifying. Not that we knew any different, but the captain finally, you know, we were just, I mean, free diving with him and the captain's finally like, all right, everyone, like, come on in. And like, we get to the boat and I, I felt like we had a little bit more time left and we all just kind of climb up onto the boat and he's like, all right, everybody in great. He's like, there's a pack of tiger sharks, not too far away. Cause his son swims way further out and spots for you just to make sure okay. everything's just kosher. He's got two kids that are with him at all times, just scoping the area. And so he alerted his kids alerted him that there was a pack of tiger sharks because they put out these bait, like these bait nets. And then all these sharks come in and he was like, yeah, we encountered a, a pack of tiger sharks. They're kind of approaching us. So it was good for us to get out of the water. I was like, yeah. holy shit, <laughs> which you, you don't, I mean, obviously when you're out, you feel you comfortable, but exactly. holy shit, man. We were like, holy yeah. God. All right. I got one last question for you, Ken, before you let you go. What food do you feel would be perfect for a food fight? Food that would be perfect for a food fight. And Chris, this is for you too. I have my answer. <laughs> Uh, I would say probably like sloppy Joe. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Because the, oh. the the bread is gonna stick to you. It's it's gonna bring the weight a little bit more. Oh yeah. So you can definitely you can definitely sling something and get get the mess that you really need. Oh, that's a with good a full one. hand of that. That's I a, think that'll work. That's a sloppy <laughs> Joe. That's a great answer. That's a great answer, Chris. What do you got? Oh man, I don't uh, uh I don't know. I'll say. Uh, I'll say cottage cheese <laughs> with with some oh, with God, some pineapple no. slices. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrific. Oh wow! All right, I'll I'll end it with saying mine is a Hostess cupcake. Okay. That thing that. is dense. Okay. You can really launch them quickly, and they have all Definitely that. They good. have that center like that's going to explode yeah. on you. I probably want to eat eat those afterwards. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I I kind of th- I kind of feel the same way about the sloppy Joe. To be honest with you, if oh, I was yeah. covering no, a sloppy no, I, Joe, I, I definitely don't think I'd wipe a little would. off my face and just kind of <laughs> scoop it right little, into my put a, little, put a little cheese in there for the two. Just make sure, make sure it's, it's enjoyable. I, I like love it. it. I love it. Uh, Ken Hamlin, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. For, I I greatly appreciate. it. I'm glad we finally got a chance to connect. That no, this is an absolute blast, man. And obviously continued success on your cigar i love watching you on social media and i love watching you just grind at all those shops and these events look so much fun if you ever so we're in cincinnati ohio if you ever make your way up this way i will be at your event hands down i will i will be coming that way i um i know uh i'll know within the next month or so when when i'm get to when i'm going out to cleveland but I got a couple of buddies that's still in Cincinnati, or whatever. So I, I, I will definitely let you know, and uh, we definitely will link one, link up, and smoke one for sure. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Well, take I care, appreciate my y'all friend. Appreciate having me on too, man. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Have a great night, my friend, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. All right, talk see with y'all later. All right, see you, Ken. All right. Look at that, Ken Hamlin. Ken Hamlin finally joined the show. How cool was that? Ben Camplin. Dude, is he not like the nicest dude? He is very nice. It makes me feel bad about jokingly going hard in the paint at him and no, i didn't realize his sister is the one that told him <laughs> now i feel really bad like they just fucking dished it out to you on social media yeah whoops funny. dude so what a good 
what a fucking good guy. And you know what? It's like you could have this interview take three hours because I know the guy's got stories. I mean, all the football stuff and just his way and just Inception and cigars. There's so much to talk about. But I really wanted to hit like the fine points of everything he was doing. Yeah. And I feel like we did that. It's such it, a cool it, conversation. It was all conf- very confusing to me because like you guys were talking about, I guess, the sport football. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know if once anybody talked about actually kicking anything. And it's very Chris, not football. Sport the sport is football. Football, not football. Why do you wear pads and helmets if you're supposed to just use your feet? Yeah. I don't get it. I know. It's super strange, right? It is. Still honestly don't know. Real talk. I don't know why we still call it football. It's like they should have just changed the name. It's it's it's, it makes no sense. No. (laughs) Like you have European soccer, which is I mean you have (laughs) soccer that's recognized across the world except in the u.s really to the degree that it should be and is arguably the most popular sport in the world you literally kick the so-called football probably less than five percent i know it's weird soccer is very intentionally named football because it's foot and ball but football in america is handball you know what's kind of you know what pisses me off or throw ball or throw ball which is like baseball and baseball makes sense because there's bases so maybe it's goal ball yeah or 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 upright balls or (laughs) yeah or yeah just i think throw ball honest well well then you run too so i guess you couldn't call it move ball move ball (laughs) which is essentially just rugby (laughs) (laughs) pretty much yeah i never understood that it's like come on dude what are we doing he's like you know, we wanted to gain our independence from European countries, specifically Britain, obviously. And like it's it like, but we wanted to name it the same shit. Like, I think it was very lazy. They they spent a lot of time on rules and no time on naming. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they had their first sanctioned game, and they go, guys, we don't have a name for this. What do we call this? <laughs> what thing? do we call this? We have announcers in the booth. What are we supposed to call this? Well, there's people that like throw balls. Yeah, but we got people that kick it too. Well, that's like, true. Uh, that's true. Good point. <laughs> God, so stupid. But they could also just hold on to it. So maybe run ball. No, but they throw it in the air too. Someone's got to catch it. Catch ball. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, but they don't always catch it either, though. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. That is kind of strange. Anyway, um, that was so. I dude, so much fun. So gladiator much fun. ball. You could call it that. That actually is the most appropriate, really, because as Ken said, like it is like the real. It is like current time gladiator, and it, dude, it's rough. Those guys hit so hard. It's it when I see hits on TV, I'm like, that guy just died. Like he, he his life just ended. Yeah, dude, his hit on Dante Stallworth is the most sickening hit I think I've ever seen. I was like, there's no way he didn't die for at least five seconds. There's the no way. Is that the one? You That's the one I showed before? you. Yeah, where it literally looks like I was like his spinal cord just snapped. Yeah, it's wild. But anyway, I'm I'm super excited we finally got him on. That was that was. Just tons of fun. Made my day, honestly. Yes. So, um, all right, Chris, this concludes another episode. Man, this is 190. 90. 10 more episodes are going to be a 200. We got to do something special for 200. I have no idea what to do. We really got to do something <coughs> special. Does that put us in May? I think it does. Close to, or maybe yeah. June. Yeah, it'll, I mean, 10 more episodes, a couple months. Yeah, June. June. Yeah, June time frame. We got to do something cool. <gasps> I have an idea. I don't want to talk about it now. I'll talk to you about it later. But I feel like there's something really cool we could do that. Well, you wouldn't be able to do it. I think I'd be able to do it. It'd be like an off-location thing. Oh, maybe. I don't know. You have a fucking kid. 
You have two kids. Too many kids. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. All right. Let's conclude this. Daddy's hungry. I think I may go grill. Hold on. Yeah. Status of the outdoors. Oh, it's still raining. Look at that. Yeah. Um, alrighty. This concludes episode 190. Oh, before we leave. Show sponsor. Cannot forget our show sponsor. My MyCigarPack.com. Um, enter code, promo code, hot tenant. Check out $10 off your first pack. My March pack will be here in a couple days. I'm very excited about it. My last curated pack was the shit, arguably the best one I've seen yet. Don't know how they're going to top it, but I'm really excited to find out. I'm not sure who the factory direct is this month, but you guys will know next week. Um, I think, oh, wait, it's the, um, oh, what is it? The, the tiger um, that, uh, oh, that Alex yeah, did. It's really, very nice artwork by that. It was, plan. it was initially the Caribbean tiger. It's something, it's something different now. Oh, what is it? Is it the horny tiger? The mysterious tiger. Which is like a horny tiger. So that'll be the the my cigar pack factory direct stuff that comes out this month. The fucking logo is dope. Kind of want to get it as a tattoo. Ken was like a mysterious tiger popping in out of those plants in his backdrop. I know. Yeah, it was just like morphing. (laughs) You know, people are listening to the audio. Are like, what are you gonna? What are you talking about? But people see the video, be like, did he just keep disappearing? Sneaking in out of a bush. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's like. Every time you kind of move backwards, everything just disappeared. Dude, I yeah. wish it, like that. It's actually not a bad idea if you're doing like Zoom virtual videos. Like if you just wanted to disappear from the conversation real quick, you just like, yeah, blend into the background. It's not a terrible idea. Um, but yeah, used. I know I need to. I actually was thinking about getting one and then maybe having you do a graphic of us in particular locations. Like we could even should, do funny ones, but it should be just me and you in each other's. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be hilarious like you're in my room i'm in your room that would be like, fucking wait, hysterical if i'm there where are you <laughs> that would be really funny except now it's not even a joke because we told everyone Damn um it. we could do some dope shit with backgrounds though. anyway uh visit my cigar pack www.mycigarpack.com promo code hot 10 to check out for ten dollars off your first pack also visit our website www.hotticketweekly.com for reviews this interview will be posted next week. Um, I did a review launched yesterday. I need to actually post about it, which was, what did I do? Oh, wait. It was the uh, uh, Sereno. Oh, fuck, dude. The Sereno Royale. Holy shit. 20th anniversary. Yeah, you've got to look. Okay, yeah. That is a review you have to check out. I, Dude, I like drew a blank. I can't believe I forgot that. Check out the review, www.hotticketweekly.com. All right, now this officially concludes episode 190. Again, thanks to Ken Hamlin for being on. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back at you next week with episode 191. See everyone. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Let me tell you how you can get a hold of us. You can get a hold of myself at the Hot Ticket Pod on Instagram. You can get a hold of Chris at Hot Ticket Chris on Instagram as well. You can find this podcast. It is available all over the place. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And you can find the podcast available on video on YouTube. Look up The Hot Ticket Weekly on YouTube, and you can watch all the fun happen before your eyes. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you could. And check out our show sponsor, My Cigar Pack, at www.mycigarpack.com. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back at you next week.